Hello everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Health and Sports Show. My name is Tom Butterfield and I'm deliciously delighted to be your host today because in this episode we're going to talk through some nutrition principles. These are concepts and advice that we think will truly make a difference and cut through a lot of the confusing and often conflicting advice that we receive from the food industry, the government dietary guidelines. And of course, we can always rely on the good old media that uh, tells us we can eat something one day only to whiplash back uh, the uh, following, saying that it's the worst thing ever. Obviously, a bit of advice that you probably already know. Don't trust the headlines. They often cherry pick one sentence from a research article that makes for a, uh, a good headline and, and that's it and sort of ignore the other 99.9% of the article. You know, why let the truth get in the way of a good story, eh? But uh, let's get going with these nutrition principles. So number one is to avoid added sugar. We're not saying that you should avoid sugar completely, but avoid added sugar. For example, there's no added sugar in an apple or an orange or a pear, anything like that. It, it's always kind of been there, right? <laughs> the natural fiber within that fruit helps to slow the release of sugar into the bloodstream, uh, reducing the risk in healthy people anyway of a large spike in insulin production. Haribo don't have natural fiber in them. <laughs> okay. okay, if you're maybe you're on a a 60 or 80 mile bike ride and you need a bit of a sugar hit, that's okay because you're out exercising. But Haribo doesn't have that natural uh, fiber there. If, however, you have an underlying health condition such as type 2 diabetes, then you should be wary of eating too much fruit. What we're really saying is don't eat foods that uh, need to have sugar added in order to get you hooked. Added sugar really gets you on the road to a host of chronic lifestyle illnesses, such as the previously named type 2 diabetes. You could also argue um, atherosclerosis, you know, furring up of your arteries, which can then lead to increased blood pressure, angina, heart issues, that sort of thing. So try and get off this path and join uh, the less trodden one to uh, better health. And watch out also for alternative code names for sugar as well because they're sneaky the food industry they are they know that uh, people are starting to realize that maybe sugar isn't the best thing for them to eat so they're starting to call it different things now we've just put in the show notes here just literally a list of names or code names for sugar aliases for sugar if you like so uh, have a look at those and uh, you can maybe cross those off against certain things that you're buying that you thought maybe were uh, didn't have sugar in them, but only to find they've called it something else. Number two of our nutrition principles is no or little, you know, as little as possible, processed foods. Nothing that's needed to be human made. If it's in a packet, it's processed, no matter what they try and tell you. We can even include, you know, shop bought bread. Uh, in this to a degree, because the number of additives and chemicals that it contains uh, in order to sort of keep it fresh, uh, 
can also have a similar addictive hold on your body as sugar does. If you do eat a lot of bread, for example, especially this shop-bought bread in, in a packet, try going 72 hours without it and see how your body reacts. I can almost guarantee that you'll be climbing the walls by day two. And I'm putting my hand up here. I know it's very unhelpful for a podcast, put your hand up. <laughs> but I know having come off of uh, normal shop-bought bread, the first two or three days were a nightmare. Uh, my body was literally craving bread everywhere. Uh, but it was it was interesting because once you are able to get past that point, then those cravings do actually stop. And within this principle, try and prepare the food yourself. So obviously, if it's not processed, you if and if you make it, you know what is in it. You know all the ingredients that you put in. Uh, we have total control over what goes into your body. Because how many ingredients should bread really need? It, it's probably less than a handful, right? Um, and a good friend of mine uh, used to say to me, if I don't know or understand what the ingredient is, then I'm not eating it. It's not going in my body. Your health is your responsibility. So it's up to you to take control. Yes, it will take you being organized and to understand where you source your ingredients. But ultimately, you are going to be placing the best fuel in your engine. But don't overwhelm yourself straight away. You shouldn't look to change everything at once. Just pick one thing to improve and start there until you feel ready to move to improve something else. I listened to an interview with a lady who, at her heaviest, weighed 21 stone. And in the interview, she said she realized that you know, things had gone too far and that she needed to change something. And what happened? Well, three years on, notice how it wasn't three weeks on or six weeks on, three years on, she'd worked her way to losing more than 10 stone, almost half her body weight. And she was asked, you know, by the media and by people, you know, what's your secret? And you can just imagine, can't you, everyone huddling around you know, note, notepads there ready, thinking that she must have unlocked some kind of mystical secret or perhaps an amazing pill that would just melt body fat and increase muscle mass. Sounds a bit like some of the adverts that are out there, doesn't it? <laughs> so they're sitting there eagerly waiting for a response. And she sat there and she said, diet and exercise, pure and simple. She said, no takeaways, just home cooking. And I walked for up to two hours every day. You can just imagine the disappointment, can't you? <laughs> you know, but that means I have to do something. You know, we want these diet pills and we want these shortcuts. But in truth, there is no shortcut. There's just the way. And the way is your way. But I can almost guarantee you that for any long term, improvements it's not going to come out of a packet it's going to come from within you some kind of intrinsic motivation and just on this subject i've noticed because we can see metrics of which episodes have been the most popular and least popular and interestingly the three episodes that have had some kind of mindset backing to it so the mindset principles the one on limiting beliefs and fixed and growth mindset have all been the least 
popular episodes to listen to. And that surprised me because I actually feel that out of the four pillars, that mindset is the one that's going to move the needle the most. So if you haven't listened to them or you've avoided them because you don't think they're going to be applicable, I would really recommend to listen to them because, like I said, I think that that's been the, the big difference for me is mindset. And I wouldn't want people to miss out um, just because they didn't feel it, it was applicable to them. Have a listen and then you can judge it yourself, but certainly don't try and avoid it. Principle number three is to eat when you're hungry. So eat when you're hungry. Don't take second helpings. Avoid dessert, especially those with the added sugars in them. And also look out for boredom eating and simulated hunger and appetite due to cravings for sugar or you know, specific chemicals and additives that are in our food that can also mimic hunger. I know personally, before I change some of my dietary habits, I would eat a big meal, could be a massive meal, but I would still, at the end of it, almost straight away, go and seek out something sweet. So whether it be chocolate or anything at all, because my body would just say to me, oh, no, you, you need something else. Of course, I don't need something else because I've just shoveled my body weight's worth of spaghetti bolognese down my neck. So I don't need anything else. But those cravings had a, such a hold that I felt I needed to. So I would go and eat something else. Uh, once I'd changed those dietary habits, those cravings actually disappeared. And my appetite seemed to drop by about sort of 40, 50% because I was only eating when I was hungry. It made a huge difference. Um, you know, this will obviously differ from person to person, but find what works for you and make sure that you're drinking plenty of fluids too, because mild dehydration can actually mimic hunger, which actually, uh, almost like I planned this, uh, it leads us nicely onto uh, our next principle, which is principle number four, which is to drink water, tea and coffee. These are all natural drinks. Obviously, we're looking at moderation with certain things. You don't want to be drinking 24 uh, cups of espresso a day, otherwise you'd be just vibrating down the road. <laughs> but they're all natural drinks. Soft drinks and other processed drinks don't provide any positive health effects. Okay, we're back to our processed foods again. Has anyone seen what Coca-Cola can do to a coin? <laughs> you know, you put a two pence piece into a, a bottle of coca-cola or into a jar of coca-cola and it's gone in about a week i mean what is that doing to our insides <laughs> and I'm, i've heard sort of anecdotally as well i've never spoken to them personally but i've heard that in the states a lot of the uh, highway patrolmen and women of course actually have some bottles of coca-cola in the back of their car to help clean stuff off the road you know if there's been roadkill or or um you know an incident and they've needed to clean stuff off the road then coca-cola does a great job because it just eats it away which is a bit scary really <laughs> these types of drink are exceptionally acidic and if they're drunk regularly it actually necessitates the body to release an alkaline uh, substance which usually calcium ions from our bones in order to neutralize this acidity in these soft drinks um 
So that could actually potentially go on to lead towards things like osteoporosis and osteopenia if they are drunk very regularly. Of course, alcohol should be limited. I'm not saying that you have to stop drinking uh, because it's a social thing, isn't it? Most of the time, you know, it's quite nice to go out for a, um, a drink or two with some friends. Um, now, I'm I'm not a drinker, and I've never really been a drinker. Don't get me wrong; you know, I've been out and had a few nights out and things, but it's never been a thing that I've felt I needed to do. I'm quite happy going out with a group of friends, them to have you know a skinful, and for me to have one or none you know as far as drink uh, alcohol drinks go um but i know this isn't the case for everybody um i recently became aware of something called the gentleman rule <laughs> okay and this rule states that if you're not planning on really you know drinking with the rest of the group you buy the first round which i know will shock a lot of people buying a round but <laughs> you buy the first round and when you're offered a second drink you accept, you say thanks very much. However, you never finish that second drink. And that way, you avoid the constant, uh, you know, oh, why aren't you drinking uh, questions that sort of come your way that can be a bit annoying. Um, and an added bonus is that you actually wake up with a clear head and you're ready to uh, tackle the next day. That's the gentleman rule. And that's one that could be used if you do have. Uh, issues with going out and not drinking at all, but you don't want to have too many. You can maybe uh, implement that into your uh, social uh, structure. So principle number five. In fact, do you mind if we just pause here for a second? Because I just wanted to, almost like a half-time break, I suppose, just say a few thank yous because you don't account for when you start doing a podcast people getting in contact with you that you've maybe never met before and saying that you've had to help them have a positive uh, move forwards in what they're trying to achieve. I'm used to getting that from my clients that I see you know, in my clinic, but not so much from people that I don't see uh, often. So that's that's been really nice. And it's even rekindled a few connections with some uh, old university friends and friends who have moved sort of different parts of the country. So that's that's great. And I'm, I'm truly happy that that's happened. You know, that's been an awesome uh, secondary uh, sort of thing that I didn't account for that, that would happen through this. So that's, that's great. And um, thank you for that. But we've had three reviews so far, which is great from uh, one from Brom 1978, uh, one from Prichet, and also Team Man 8 uh, via Apple Podcasts. Now, two of those have come from the United States. And one of them from Great Britain. So that's that's great. So let's have a few more. Uh, I've noticed that we've had a listener in Brunei as well, which is pretty cool. I've never been to Brunei. Uh, but if you are that listener in Brunei, then please do leave a review or get in contact with us and just let us know what you've thought of the podcast so far. But um, but thank you again to everyone who's who's given feedback, whether it be verbal or, or written. Uh, I really appreciate it and it, and it does help make this show better because i've had some really good suggestions from people so let's um let's crack on because i don't want to keep you too long but principle number five is to eat veggies at every meal uh, have a bit of diversity you know we talk about eating the rainbow uh, different colors are, are a great start my daughter she hasn't asked lately but she went through a little phase of of asking me to make her a rainbow salad for uh, for lunch 
and that included uh, you know yellow peppers, sweet corn. You had your reds with your peppers, your tomatoes, uh, greens. We'd put peas in there. We'd put spinach in there. All sorts of stuff, and uh, try and sort of vary it as much as possible. But that was that was really nice. It was a, a nice fun way of uh, of, of getting uh, healthy food into it. It's something that we've promoted since our kids were young. And yes, sometimes they go for it and sometimes they don't because that's what kids do, right? <laughs> they don't always do what they, uh, they're told, not like in the movies anyway. Um, but certainly um, have a little bit of lots of different varieties because the more diverse our, our vegetables are and, and, and things that we have, you know, fruits, nuts and seeds, things like that, uh, the better it is for us. Um, but try and get vegetables in at all meals. And, and yes, breakfast is probably going to be the, the eyebrow raiser there. That can be a bit tricky. But certainly, you know, if, if you eat cereals and things, which we'll get to on another episode, <laughs> um, it's going to be tricky. But give it a go. Uh, but you could have something like uh, nice lean bacon. Uh, you could have eggs, avocado and tomatoes. Uh, try not to have the processed bacon, you know, the nice, nice stuff. Um, but yeah, just try and get something in there. You know, really, really give it a go. But number six is to choose the best source. Now, this can be tricky because this is where we need to know where it's coming from. And just saying Tesco's, Asda's, Sainsbury's uh, doesn't really cut it, I'm afraid. We need to dig a little bit uh, deeper into where this stuff comes from. So when you're buying your, your meat or your fish or your vegetables, try and find out where it's been uh, raised or where it's been grown. Ask your, your butcher or your fishmonger. And if they don't know, then ask them what their supplier is. And you might have to go off and do a little bit of uh, digging and detective work yourself. If they won't tell you, or they don't know where they get it from, then probably best to be a little bit suspicious <laughs> and maybe buy uh, from somewhere else. But where possible, but where possible, we want to tick the boxes for number one, organically grown for vegetables and fruits as well. Number two is be grass fed for our meat. And number three is to be wild caught for fish. So if you can tick those boxes off for things, then you're probably going to be doing better than not. Principle number seven is to know the difference between good and bad fats. Now, this is a complicated one because fat has got a pretty bad rep ever since the dietary guidelines way back in the early 1980s stated that fat caused heart disease and a host of other illnesses. Unfortunately, this is awkward, <laughs> since we were told to eat a low-fat and high-carbohydrate diet, Obesity, heart disease, and type 2 diabetes has kind of exploded. <laughs> it's more than increased by 10 times, uh, which in 30 or 40 years is pretty catastrophic. And it actually turns out that the main body of research that found and air quotes time proved that saturated fats and cholesterol were the cause of heart disease were at best highly flawed and at worst actually deceptive in their findings. What we do know is that during the 80s uh, in the U United States, heart disease and diabetes spiked viciously 
And like we said before, it's continued to do so ever since. Same thing in the UK as well. We adopted these guidelines a little bit later on, but we've still had the same poor outcomes. Fat is essential for good health. Okay, I'm just going to repeat that to let that sink in. Fat is essential for good health. Okay, we got that? Now, yes, there are many types of fat, some better than, than others. And you can learn about them. I'm not going to list them all here and go through them here. Otherwise, you know, this will turn into a massive monster episode. But you can learn about them if you want in a short video uh, that we put together on a YouTube channel. And you can just learn about them there if you want to go into more detail. But just for now, know that fat is essential for good health. So shouldn't be totally avoided. Principle number eight is to choose your fuel. Are you fueling yourself with mainly carbohydrates, protein, fats, or a mixture of the three? Are you a professional athlete who trains for four to six hours a day? If not, then you probably don't need to be fueling up on carbs too much. And this again sort of flies in the face of our high carb and low fat diet that's been proposed for decades in our dietary guidelines. If you're a bit more sedentary on a sort of day-to-day -day basis, so maybe you're an office worker, for example, you might find, and the word there is might, because everyone's different, right? You might be better suited to a diet higher in, say, protein or fat. But in order to get it right, you need to experiment. Okay, you need to be willing to try different stuff and just sort of mix it up depending on the level of activity that you're doing in, in that day or that week. And then just judge on how you feel. Do you feel like you have enough energy to exercise? Do you feel that you've got better mental clarity when you're working in the office? Are you not so fatigued after eating? Do you recover better after training or exercise? And, and so on. You know, judge it by metrics that you choose for yourself. But that's just some examples for you. And principle number nine, last but not least, hopefully, is to eat mindfully. Now, my interpretation of this, and it may be different for everybody else, but I'm just gonna give you my interpretation, is to try to only ever eat at a place that brings a level of sort of tranquility or, or happiness, okay? So you have a place, whether it be at home or, or at the office, that is your place that you eat. You don't eat anywhere else. It might be, for example, your, your dining room table at home uh, without any screens present, you know, no phones, no iPads, turn the telly off if there's a TV in the kitchen, that sort of thing, or the dining room. And having these places will eliminate a lot of situations where we mindlessly snack. You know, how many of us, you know, if we grab petrol from the petrol station, would grab uh, a bag of crisps or a chocolate bar just because it's, it's there, right? They, these places aren't designed with these sort of funnels with all the good stuff towards the, the cash register for no reason. That's designed to get us to buy, isn't it? To motivate us to, to buy it, just to pick one up. So how many of us have, have sort of grabbed a bag of crisps or a chocolate bar or, uh, <laughs> I don't know, even worse, one of those sort of ancient hot dog monstrosities that just sort of spin up and down on one of those heated rotation things you know do they even have those anymore <laughs> i hope not and has anyone listening ever sort of had one of those and lived to tell the tale <laughs> if so i'd love to hear about it 
but no, seriously, by setting this example of having a place where you eat, it can make it a, eating a bit more of a social event and also reduce the potential or the ease of taking in convenience foods, processed foods, things with added sugar, that sort of thing. So that's our nine nutrition principles. But of course, you might find that you've put some things into play in your own lives that have worked for you that differ from what we've gone through today. And that can't be wrong, right? You know, if it's helped you, it must be right. So what you could do to help us and also our other listeners is to actually stick it into a review for this episode and just say, look, I've tried X, Y, and Z, and I found that this really helped for me. And by doing that, you're not only sharing your wisdom with us, but you're also potentially helping someone else make some progress and improve their lives or get closer to the goals and aspirations that they've set themselves. And that's a really, really powerful thing. In the very first introduction episode, we talked about if you want to travel fast, travel alone. If you want to travel far, we travel together. And that's the concept of this is it's not just about me lecturing you. This is about me putting some opinions out there and you giving your opinions back. It's a conversation. Okay, so those reviews can help to get conversations going. And if there's anything that you want to talk about or anything you want to cover, you want us to cover, then just let us know. Uh, you can either email us at info at elevatehealthuk.com. Or like I said, you can pop it into one of the reviews for either the podcast or for one of the episodes. And that'd be fantastic. Uh, and that really helps as well. The reviews, you know, whether we get five stars or one star, it doesn't really matter. It's the feedback that's important because we're still in a growth phase. We're still looking to learn and improve. You know, we're beginners at this. So it just helps push things forward. But I won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for all your feedback and for listening to this episode. And we can't wait to catch up with you again in the next one. So take care. Bye bye. <laughs>